0: Welcome back to the Freedom Nation podcast. It's Jeff Kickle here once again, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. Today is going to be a lot of fun because I'm going to talk to you about the most important book I've ever read, uh, and that's a lot. I, On average, I'll read about 50 to 60 books per year. Um, I've always got usually about two books open or going at any given time. Um, I'll leave them different places around the house. And, you know, it might be up in bed. You know, I might read one book up in bed and I might read one book downstairs while I'm watching TV or something like that. One of the things that I have learned over the years and I learned from some of the best people I know is that they are voracious readers. The best entrepreneurs I know are the most voracious readers I know as well. They are the people that you know, can quote books. They're the people that constantly are just absorbing information. And I really, I learned from some of the best. Um, You know, I would say my friend Danny Smith is an example of somebody who is the most well-read human being I've ever met. And I have emulated him as a mentor for so many years, you know, watching him and, and listening to all the books that he had, you know, that he had suggested over the years. So when I get to my favorite book or the like I said, the most important book that I've ever read, you know, like I said, that is a that's a (laughs) that's a big pile of books that you have to choose one from. But the book that I read that I felt was the most important is a book called The Cash Flow Quadrant. And The Cash Flow Quadrant has a um it's got a little chart in it, and we'll talk about that today. But it was written by Robert Kiyosaki, and Robert Kiyosaki wrote originally the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And if you don't know the story behind Robert, uh, Robert was born in Hawaii. Uh, his family is from Hawaii. His dad, uh, his his real dad or his you know biological dad, was um, a very well known. Person in Hawaii. He was a very successful person inside of the school districts there. He was a teacher and then eventually administrator, and went on to be a state uh, state representative for Hawaii. Um, but really, throughout his life, was very financially unsuccessful. Well, Robert also had a good friend of his who. You know, his dad was kind of Robert's adopted dad. Uh, One person that kind of took him under his wing, you know, was kind of the exact opposite of his real dad, which was, you know, who he calls his poor dad. His rich dad was not educated. In fact, he dropped out of school uh, before he graduated from high school but went on to own many businesses, a lot of real estate in Hawaii, and was very street savvy and very financially successful. And that was some of the things that Robert learned growing up is, you know, watching his poor dad, who was incredibly well-educated, very successful in his career, but, you know, in the end, he was not financially as successful as he could have been. And his poor or his rich dad, who didn't have the education, was, you know, more from the streets, but he learned how to make money and he learned how to build businesses. So this was one of the things as I was writing and I've been writing the uh, the Freedom Day book and have been working on this whole concept over the last several years. This was one of the things that I went back to. This was something that stuck out to me. From the very, very, very beginnings of you know working with clients um, and really honestly in my own businesses, you know I have owned in my life nine businesses, almost ten businesses now, and you know of those ten, the first seven failed miserably. And I've said this before on previous podcasts, you know I and I'm not afraid to say they failed. And honestly, sometimes you just you have to fail. And the problem that most people have is they have one failure and they just give up and they stop. And that was just something that I never wanted to do. It was something that I never was going to do. I knew in my heart of hearts that there was something to me owning my own businesses. And it wasn't until I really got forced into uh, making a change in my life from a you know career perspective or at least from a an employment perspective that I made the decision to go out on my own and you know go out on my own and create my own business and really finally found the the keys to success so one of the things that is in the cash flow quadrant is a a chart and basically think of it this way it's a chart that has four Parts to it. So you know, if you if you were to think of a, a box and put an or put a, a a plus sign in the middle of that box so that it divides it into four equal parts, that cash flow quadrant falls in there. So if you go on to our website um, to freedomnation slash resources, you can actually get a copy of this chart. Um, you can also just Google Cashflow Quadrant, but the easiest place would just be to go to our website and you can get that information off of there. Inside that chart, top left-hand corner, you would write an E. The bottom left-hand corner, you'd write an S. The top right-hand corner, you'd write a B. And the bottom right-hand corner, you would write an I. And what these stand for is E, top left corner, is employees. They're people who have a job. They get up every morning. They go to work. Somebody tells them where to be, when to be, how much they're going to get paid. They have to meet a certain amount of tasks to both stay employed and to also, you know, get more money down the road and get raises and things like that. But there's always going to be somebody in control of what they make. And this could be even if you're an employee salesperson. Um, I remember the, the firm that I worked for, for 17 years in the financial services industry, I remember having 17 to 20 different comp plans in 17 years. Well, why? Because we would figure out how to work a comp plan, you know, and, and that's what salespeople do is, you know, you're given a comp plan and you're, it's your job to figure out, okay, what are they trying to incent me for? And then how do I maximize that compensation plan? And what would happen is we would figure out the compensation plan and we would figure out how to, to do what they were asking of us and what they were incenting us for. We would all start to make a lot more money and then the company would go, whoa, they're making too much money. We need to change the comp plan again to, to keep them at a certain level. And that's always going to be the challenge that you face when you are working for a company. Um, there's always that potential change when you're an employee that they can kind of take your cheese away from you or, or change the compensation plan or you know change your benefits or whatever it is. You, you're not really in control in those cases. So then you step down to the bottom left-hand corner, which is S. Those are the people who are self-employed. Now, when you think about becoming self-employed, you think, well, I'm a business owner, I own a business, and you know, I'm, I'm starting this and I talk to so many people that are clients of mine, friends of mine in the business. And, you know, I always love when they tell me, well, you know, I'm I, I, I don't want to hire people. I just really want to, you know, work with myself and all that. And, you know, my next question for them is, well, when when was the last time you took a vacation or if you were to get disabled or wanted to take, let's say, a six-month vacation, um, could could the business continue to run without you? And you know, then then they get this sheepish look on their face and realize, well, no, I, I kind of have to keep working. Now uh, those are people that don't own a business; they own a job. Now when I think of people in the in the freedom from the Freedom Day perspective, I mean going from being an employee to a self-employed person at least you're moving in the right direction and quite frankly for me when i left working for somebody else and i went out on my own and started my own business i was self-employed so if you remember when we talked about a couple of days ago that i've had several freedom days or a couple of different freedom days well my first freedom day was march 1st of 2016 that was the day That I left my last employer where I got a paycheck, or somebody else told me. And I was so fed up that I said, I don't care if I have to live in my car, I'm going to move on and start my own business and be self employed. And I did that. I started my co working spaces and I started my individual financial practice at the very same time. Um, Once again, I've always told you don't do that. Uh, If you can, Keep your day job while you're building your side hustle or your freedom engine on the side and start to build that to the point where your freedom engine equals or goes beyond what your current paycheck is for your employer before you make that decision. Okay, now I'm going to quit my job. Unfortunately, in the industry that I work in, we unfortunately cannot um, or we have to report Who we're, you know, if we start a business, we have to report that. And my firm that I was at would not let me have an outside employment opportunity. They wouldn't let me have started a business outside. And quite frankly, I couldn't have continued to work for them and um, start the co working spaces that I own at that time. So that was one of the things that, you know, you start to look at all right, well, this is what I have to do. It's not probably the smartest thing to do, but it is the, it was what I had to do at the time. So I became self-employed. I was, I started my business. I was a, you know, a co-working space. Um, We were very short staffed at the time. It was really just myself and my business partner. Uh, We were the only people that made any money from the business. And I I remember at the beginning, as we were trying to get the business started up, the bank, you know, asking us, well, why are you taking a salary? You know, you haven't started earning revenue. I'm like, because I want to live and I needed a a paycheck to live on. It would have worked better had I been able to stay at my employer and have a paycheck coming in and not have to take money out of the business at the beginning. But it is how it is. So I became self-employed, which was fine. I mean, I, for the first time in my life, got to go up, you know, get up whatever time I wanted, work when I wanted, you know, I was working for me. So all the opportunity, all the things, that I was doing are were things that I was doing for myself for the very first time ever. And I was so committed to doing that. I was so committed to growing that business. I was so committed to making these things succeed that I did. So I spent that time growing my business. I spent that time getting those launched. But one of the challenges on the left hand side of the cash flow quadrant is Everything you do on the left-hand side of the quadrant is something that you're doing selling time for money. If I'm an employee, I'm selling my time for money. If I'm self-employed, I'm selling my time for money. And I'm limited by that time. There's only so much time that I have in my business to get things done. Now, sometimes it's funny because people will say, oh, well, I've got employees that work for me. I'm, the, I'm a business owner now. Well, no, not necessarily. You can still be self-employed and have people working for you. The challenge is making the move to the next step, and that is moving to the right-hand side of the quadrants where you have the B's and the I's, the business owners and the investors. When you get to that right hand side, you are selling knowledge or you're letting your money work for you. You're selling a system or knowledge or something, and you are not, this is not a time bound thing. I'm providing a service that doesn't necessarily require my time. I'm providing a system, um, and I have people that are working for me, or I am using my money to work for me. At that point, So let's talk a little bit about the top right-hand corner of the cash flow quadrant, which is being a business owner. And that's a big step. Uh, it should be the goal of everybody. Moving from the bottom left-hand corner as an S, as a self-employed person, to being a business is a step and it requires a lot of work. And this is really, I think, in my own personal business, once again, This was what occurred really August 1st of this year. Uh, August 1st of 2021, I had spent most of the COVID time period because COVID just kind of blew my old business up, especially on the co-working side. And we really had to spend a lot of time, you know, my wife and I running the business. Uh, Really, it was just us. We hired a couple of employees during the COVID time period, and they just did not work out. Uh, they didn't really have kind of an ownership mindset. It was just you know, literally people that you had to tell what to do every time. And and we actually had spent a lot of time thinking about our systems, how we do things, the way we do things. Um, part of the problem with that is I wasn't letting go enough and trusting the people I had, probably for a good reason, because I didn't really trust them because they didn't really fit uh, our our model very well and i started to really look at you know all right first off who who do we need to hire i looked at what are our procedures what is the system we have what is this way that we you know bring people into our businesses and and i started to look at that not only in my co-working space i looked at that in our financial practice our wealth management practice and in a lot of ways in the advertising agency and and media company that I own. How do we systematize? How do we create something that is repeatable? And then how do I hire employees that will work that system? Uh, The challenge I had before is we had a system, but then I was hiring employees that kind of wanted to do their own thing. Um, they, They weren't really, designed for working a system they they wanted to be creative and do all these things and it's like well yeah but we need you to work the system so one of the the big things that i did and and i didn't do it purposely but i'm really glad that i did is i started hiring military guys Uh, people that had been in the military for years um got out you know most of the guys that i have are uh you know, medically retired from the military. But one of the things that I learned is we, I was really good at creating systems and processes. I just needed people that could follow those systems and processes. And finding uh, these guys that I hired from the military, it became interesting because once I gave them a system to follow, they just followed the system right away. Um, they are creative and they can come up with ideas on their own they're not drones, but they follow a system and you know coming from being in the military myself, I was in for five years uh, I was a I was an army ranger for five years and one of the key things about being a ranger and being in the military is if you don't follow processes and procedures that were created for you somebody's gonna die uh, so these guys all came to me with that mindset of I, I need to, you know, I, I, you told me what to do. I'm going to follow that. And I'm, I may stop you and say, hey, could we do this better? And I encourage that but of them. But I also know if I give them a process and a procedure, they're going to follow that to a T. And so all we have to do is make sure that procedure works right. And if it doesn't, you know, I'm asking them to give me feedback on, well, what could we do different? What, How should we do this? And it's a give and take there. It's not a, you know, it's not a dictatorship, um, but it is. They understand chain of command and they understand the whole process that we're doing. And we have taken off like a rocket ship, especially in my co-working businesses. As a result of that, because I've given them those tools that they needed. So being a B, a business owner, is creating systems and then having employees that can work those systems. And that for me, as of August 1st of this year, who, you know, that was my last hire, my last critical hire in one of my co-working spaces. And that allowed my wife and I just a week ago to take the first vacation, true vacation we've taken in almost three years of being in business. Um, I had somebody I trusted who could run the space. He followed the rules, He followed the procedures. We came back and everything was done exactly as expected. He didn't reach out to us during our vacation. Neither of my team reached out to us during our vacation and everything worked out wonderfully. So that was my second Freedom Day. That was the true Freedom Day for me as a business owner and not being self-employed anymore, being a business owner where I was able to create that system that I have employees that can follow that now. And that has helped me and freed me up to do other things, which means I'm doing more and more of this in my wealth management practice. Um, And I found another freedom engine that I'm, I'm going in and and working on right now that is in an area that I really think is a, a growing it's, it's something of the future and I'm very interested in it. I'll probably share this down the road with, with some of you, but just think of it. I I already knew, and it was funny going into this conversation that I had with a friend of mine today, I already in my head, I was thinking through, okay, yeah, at the beginning, I'm probably going to have to be a little bit more involved in sales of the product up front, but how do I hire a team? How do I put procedures in place? How do I put the back-end marketing pieces in place so that we could create leads and I can hire really good people that can make really good livings? And I don't have to be the one that's out there actually selling the product. I can find and hire great people and train them to be really successful with all of this. So once again, you know, this is the this is the advantage of once you learn how to create a business. Once you understand how the cash flow quadrant works, that becomes an amazing thing in your mind. It becomes something that you just instantly think of businesses and go, oh, okay, here's how you do this so that I I can grow this business and I don't have to necessarily be involved. And I've said that before, I think I've said this on the podcast. You know, I had for years people asking me all the time, and, and you know, quite frankly, before COVID, they were probably right. They would ask me, well, how can you how can you do that? You have a, a co-working space and a wealth management practice, and you're doing all these other things, and you're doing training and coaching and consulting with people. How can you do all these things? Well, I, I could do all those things because I was spending like 70 or 80 hours a week working. To this day, I mean, I'm a little bit busier than I've been for about the last year and a half. But for most of COVID, I worked 35, maybe 40 hours a week, Uh, got up at 9 a.m. or I got up at 6, went into the office. Uh, We opened our offices at 9 o'clock and we closed them at 4 o'clock every day. Uh, So we cut our hours during the the COVID crisis. And quite frankly, it only affected our business by making it work better. Uh, We were more successful as a result. We have a few people that occasionally are like, what do you mean you close at five o'clock? I mean, how can how can you close at five o'clock when people need to come in? It's like, uh, well, because nobody comes in before nine and nobody comes in after four o'clock. So why do I need to be there? Um, anybody that is there before nine or after five or after four is typically somebody that has 24-hour access to the company, the space, and they can come and go as they please. They don't need us there, um, and they all know my cell phone. And my wife's cell phone, if, if they need anything, we live four minutes away from the office and I can run in there if there's any kind of problem with the Internet or anything along those lines. So, you know, we we kind of created that new world for ourselves and we really got used to getting out of getting out of the office at, at 4 p.m. every day and coming home and having, you know, three hours or two hours before we even ate dinner. You know, whereas before I was, you know, leaving the office at 5 59 and getting home and having dinner at six. And, you know, next thing, as soon as I got done with dinner and we cleaned up the dishes, I was working from seven until 10. You know, it wasn't a life and I hated every minute of it. And, you know, COVID kind of forced me to slow down. Now I have picked up a little bit more in the amount of work I'm doing. But the reason for that is there's some things in my own businesses that I'm starting. and And that's my kind of creative time outside of work work during the day. So I get home, relax for a little bit, eat dinner, and then I do a little bit of that creative time. And and part of that creative time is writing the Freedom Day book. So I I set aside a couple hours every single day to do writing, and that's just a habit I've developed over time. So long story short, uh, the last portion of The cash flow quadrant is the bottom right-hand side, and that is investors. Those are people that use their money to work for them. They do things, they buy things, they invest in things that will make their money do more work for them. So there's a lot of people that are employees who have no desire, no interest. They're scared to death of starting their own business. So if you are in a job, let's say you have a, a really high end job that is, you know, you're making more than you need to live on. So let's say, you know, you make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and you only need a one hundred thousand dollars to live on. So you have a net positive, let's call it 70 grand after taxes that can, you can use for something. You can use that money to invest in. So I don't necessarily have to go out and start my own business. I might find someone else's business and I might invest in that business. So, you know, you can invest in the stock market, certainly, and and financial assets. And those assets can work for you. And many of you are kind of doing this through your 401ks at work. You know, you're putting money into your 401ks. And as a result of that, that 401k is an investment or a a compilation of several investments, and that is your money working for you. So you're putting money in, hopefully you're putting it into something that is going up in value over time, and you're building an asset. Uh, Once you build that asset to a certain point in time, you can, at that point in time, say, all right, I have enough assets. To be able to turn those assets into a paycheck, and I can replace my paycheck. Well, that's your freedom day. For most of us, that's kind of difficult when I'm working in an employee, or if I'm working in an e job. You know, when I when I have a job, you know, I don't I don't necessarily get to choose how much extra I make. So in some cases, if you're making, you know, let's call it a hundred thousand, and you need Ninety-five thousand. well you're you're probably not going to have a whole lot extra to save and as a result of that that's going to cause you to not be able to reach your freedom day until much much later in life if ever um so you need to understand that you need enough extra income you need to be able to calculate up all right how much of an investment do I need to have that's kicking off, let's say, investment income to be able to, you know, basically have my freedom day, get up one morning and not have to go to work that day. The other side of it is, you know, you could use something else like in my case. And, and I'll, I'll give an example that I really I learned from somebody I have an immense amount of respect for, which is Jay Leno. Um, for those of you that know him, you know of course Jay was the 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 host of the Tonight Show. He took over from Johnny Carson. Um, was a very successful stand up comic prior to getting the Tonight Show. But he never he he made a, a good living, but he never made a great living. But one of the things that Jay always did, and this is something I found in an interview uh, about him, was. Even when he was just getting started in stand-up, he always had another job. So when he was just getting started out and he wasn't making a whole lot of money in stand-up, he worked in a detail shop and then he worked for a car lot. Well, he loves cars. So that was his opportunity to be around cars all the time. So he worked at a car dealership. He worked at a detailing place. He did all these little odd jobs and things like that. While he was building his stand-up career, and he became successful as a stand-up, well around that time that he really saw a lot of success, he had really you know gotten to know Johnny Carson, was very close to him, kind of an, you know he was like an extra dad for him, and Johnny Carson, you know, really hand-picked him to take over the Tonight Show. Well, when Jay took over the Tonight Show, he continued to do stand-up you know, for, for a couple purposes. One, it helped him to test his material the way he'd always done. But two, Jay specifically lived off of his standup income. So he would go out several days a week, do stand-up routines, do comedy routines, get paid or do, you know, big events with him. And he got paid that money. And that's what he used to live on. He and his wife lived on. All the money that Jay made from The Tonight Show, which was hundreds of millions of dollars over his, I think, 15, 20 years that he was on there, 100% of that money he put into investments. So, you know, all the cars, if you've ever watched Jay Leno's Garage on CNBC, all the cars that he owns today, and he owns hundreds of millions of dollars worth of vehicles, uh, all these collector cars, and, you know, it, it just, A little bit of everything, the building that he owns that he houses all these things in. All of those things were purchased with his tonight show money. So he he, you know, that was his hobby. It was what he loved, but also those were investments that he was putting money into, and those have grown in value over the years. He was really smart about finding really unusual cars that you know he was able to buy at a time where they weren't the most popular car. Well, now they've you know, grown in immensely in value. And, you know, for him, it was he got to play with his toys and, and drive his hobbies all the time. So long story short, that's really the what I took to heart when I when I watched that interview, and he talked about that, it was like the buzzing, And so, you know, I have one business today, that really pays my bills. All the other businesses I have are You know, as I earn revenue in those businesses, that money goes directly into if it's not being used to reinvest into the business to do something else with that business, any income that those businesses kick off for me goes to investments. So I use my B category investments to, you know, fuel my investment portfolio. And part of that reason, part of the reason I do that today, one is because I don't really need any more money to live on. You know, one of the things that I learned in, and especially at the very beginnings of our business when, you know, I didn't really have the, the e-job anymore. I, I quit that job. We learned to be really austere. We learned to cut back immensely on our expenses during that time period. And it hurt. I mean, it was a lot. We, we really cut back and cut back and cut back. So that we could get by and and live, and I didn't have to close the business and you know go back and take a job someplace. So we've learned how to live pretty comfortably on a smaller amount of money than we really ever have before. So you know I can make a certain amount of money from my one business that pays me to live, and anything extra and over and above that goes to investments. So I have two businesses today that I don't take any income directly that I spend I just funnel anything I make directly into uh, investment accounts and I continue to grow those or into other investments so what is what constitutes an investment it might be a business it might be real estate it might be you know anything that you can invest in you can put money into, that is passive income where you don't have to necessarily be directly involved in that income. I will say, you know, today my life I'm pretty much about 25 to 30% of my total investment portfolio is of, of financial investments and and that portion of my portfolio not businesses is invested in real estate because one of the things I love about real estate is it kicks off a of, You know, a quarterly, monthly or quarterly income stream uh, that continues to help grow. And it, you know, it's going to continue to do that regardless of what's going on. Um, And it tends to be higher than other fixed income type investments. Um, I choose right now, I don't have the time to directly invest in real estate, uh, you know, buying rental houses or whatever. Um, I invest in real estate through securities products because. Those are things that I, you know, it's like, okay, I can do that. I can get that diversification of of real estate without me having to directly be involved in that because I honestly don't have the time to monkey with it. So you need to, in your own things or your own life, you need to start thinking about, you know, where you are on that quadrant. Are you an E? Are you an S? Are you a B or an I? Um, And you might be a couple of those. Like I said, People can be E's and still be I's as well. Um, You theoretically could continue to have a job and still own a business. Um, I think it would be very difficult for many. uh, It's really only at the very, very, very beginnings of a business when you're in the startup phase that you could hold a job and also be self-employed. You want to get to the point uh, when you're looking at what we call your your freedom engines, uh, those things that you are putting, that, you're, that are generating the extra income you need to pay off debt, to build up your investments and your overall, or to replace your existing income and get to your freedom day, you need to be able to figure out what are those sources um, where should I be putting my time and effort? And certainly, where should I uh, be spending my time? And the more and more and more that you can transition from selling time for money and actually selling knowledge, information, um, you know, creating systems, buying investments, the more you can be on that side of the quadrant. The more successful you are going to be over time. So here's your ex- or your exercise. Um, you know, we do this every time. There's some kind of action that you need to take. Take a moment and go to slash resources and download the cash flow quadrant. And take a look at it. And now your exercise is to figure out where you are. And where you want to be? Uh, do you, you know, are you an E today, and you want to be an investor, or you want to start a business? Then start to think about what that looks like for you, because we're going to start to talk on, on several episodes coming up of your freedom engine. What is what is going to be your freedom engine to go out there and start something that is going to generate income? So, thank you for taking your time today. I appreciate it. This is um, beginning to uh, to you know get you prepared to start planning for your Freedom Day. On our next episode, we're going to talk about the three principles of Freedom Day, and there there's three basic principles that I have for Freedom Day so that you can begin to build your own Freedom Engines, you can start to plan out your Freedom Day and we will be continuing on this process with you. So thanks a lot. It's Jeff here once again, and I love to see you out here Um, on any of the um, channels that you're listening to this. If you could give us a five-star rating, we'd appreciate it. And in addition to that, I love comments. So if you have the opportunity, to like and share this with folks and make a comment about it. Uh, I answer all comments and I answer questions that are put through there. So I encourage you to you know pop a question in if you like. Um, If you want to troll us, you're more than welcome to. I may ignore you at that point. But uh but you know I we take all comments and we take them as is. So thanks a lot. We'll see you back here next time.